Hello, Captains! Thank you for nominating Priority One Podcast for Best Gaming and Best Produced Podcast in the 9th Annual Podcast Awards. Now we need your ongoing support by voting for Priority One Podcast once a day, every day until November 15th. Visit podcastawards.com and vote for Priority One Podcast in the Best Gaming and Best Produced categories. You can also support our friends, Mission Log Podcast, by voting for them in the Best Entertainment Podcast category. Remember, you can vote once a day, every day, until November 15th at podcastawards.com. Sign up for a daily newsletter reminder at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And thank you for your ongoing support. Without you, none of this would be possible. Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains, and you're listening to episode 148 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek Online podcast recorded Thursday on October 31st, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. It's Halloween today. It won't be when this comes out, but I'm James, and it's good to be back. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. And guys, we have had uh, quite a week here of some... uh, game action so what do we got i've been gone for like god a month i think thanks to work and uh, elijah tell me what's uh, what's been going on what do we got well this week we're going to skip trek it out and get right into star trek online news because there is a ton of it new ships new player versus environment a featured episode replay dev blogs Free lobby, etc., etc. The list goes on and on. It's been a busy week for Star Trek Online. Right after Stow News, we sit down with cryptic content designer Kate Bankson to go behind the scenes of the just released featured episode Sphere of Influence. Spoiler alert, folks. Captains, we cannot express how honored we are here at Priority One Podcast that you would nominate us for this year's ninth annual podcast awards. Because of your votes, Priority One was nominated, out of 4,400 entries, for Best Produced and Best Gaming Podcast. We're in a finalist group of nine other entries in both categories, in both Produced and Gaming, and the competition is fierce. But let's show the world, once again, that Star Trek fans are some of the most dedicated and loyal people out there. Between November 1st and November 15th, you can vote daily for Priority One Podcast on podcastawards.com. We can even help remind you with daily emails. Just visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter reminder. Remember, visit PodcastAwards.com daily until November 15th and cast your vote for Priority One Podcast in this year's ninth Annual Podcast Awards. Captains, don't forget the Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. In our latest guest blog, Thomas Townley talks about his experiences building a dilithium holding all by himself crazy man that had to be a ton of work visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to trek out these great blogs as a matter of fact you too can join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com as a guest blogger and share your opinions your reviews and the latest news with our audience reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com if you are interested Splatter Studios continues to produce some phenomenal Trek inspired canvases Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for information on how you can get your hands on these one-of-a-kind pieces of Trek art. Well, let's jump right into this week's Stow News, shall we? Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. So let's talk about the 
Dyson Joint Command Reputation. So in Season 8 here coming up, uh, Depth Blog number 12, Systems Designer Phil Gorgonzola-Zaleski offers players an in-depth introduction to the new Dyson Joint Command Reputation. According to the article, players will earn Dyson Marks and Dyson Joint Command Commendations by completing content in the Solonet Dyson Sphere. These currencies are used to complete projects that will progress the player through the Dyson Joint Command Reputation and unlock powerful equipment and captain's powers. Captains, there's a lot to this post, okay? There's, there's way more than we can cover on the show without holding you here for hours and boring the living daylights out of you. So, we encourage you to go over and uh, check out the original blog on the official Star Trek Online website, please. Uh, there's even a handy facts segment that might answer some of the questions you might have about some of the very cool toys and weapons we have coming. Uh, I'm so excited about all kinds of stuff in there, and the new ground gear looks just bomb and weapons and anyway please 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 check it out so guys elijah tony the passive rewards what caught your eye honestly i'm i'm definitely a bigger fan of of the space so i am very much looking forward to those whole enhancing passive buffs uh because my little escorts could certainly use some more love without having to sacrifice an extra console you want a little uh, less glass in your cannon? A little less glass in my cannon, although my cannons are pretty sturdy as they are right now. But, for instance, the, the Omega reputation, I was definitely about the firepower. Now that I'm doing the Nukara, I'm kind of picking and choosing between them, sticking, though, more towards the defensive passives from the Nukara. Yeah, I think I have the same feelings, but for uh, opposites for both my characters, because, you know, I have my Fed and my Rami that I'm focusing on, and I think I'm going to do the same. I think for my Defiant, for my Fed guy, I'm going to do a lot of the hull enhancing. My Romulan guy's pretty stout as far as being able to handle hull and shields and stuff. He could use a little more in the firepower side, so I think for him it's going to be the opposite. So I am really excited to see both characters because it's offering definitely something for uh, each of my tunes to go respectively their their, uh, different directions where they need to be strengthened. Especially if I'm flying my veteran ship. You know, the veteran ship comes already with a bonus to weapons power, so I could certainly use some of that passive hull to balance it out a little bit. So what do you think, Tony? My opinion, uh, since you've asked for it so nicely, is that I like to try to load up on the tactical powers, uh, the passive stuff that's behind the scenes that the engine takes care of, and then switch around my defensive stuff with the consoles and stuff like that so I can always see what's going on with that. Uh, So I just always, in the background, I just load up on all the tactical passives that I can get from the reputation systems and then change my consoles around for defense. It's a good way to do it. Well, what do you guys think, audience? Let's see. So this week's community question is to you, Captains. What are your thoughts on the changes to the reputation system? Do these changes remedy the grindy feeling most players feel from the current reputation system? Tell us what you think by leaving your thoughts in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com Facebook or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. All right, Captains, if you don't already know, the launch for Season 8 has been announced. Tuesday, November 12th is the big day. Now, this happens to coincide with the end of the Double XP event, at least according to the in-game calendar. I cannot express how excited I am for this Season 8 launch. I've been keeping myself away from Tribble because I want to experience this firsthand. I want to see this with fresh eyes. But I have taken advantage of the Double XP event. Have you guys? I have not taken advantage of the Double XP Rewards Weekend. I've, 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 I've been a busy, busy guy preparing for the Halloween stuff. Guess what? Melkneza has finally earned his ranks among the Klingon Warriors and is now level 50. <laughs> I also am I'm working on my Romulan, too. My Romulan is uh, level 30 now in just like two or three days. Perfect World's Arc launcher is picking up some, wait for it, steam. <laughs> Gotta kill myself. Yeah, uh, Noel Destravis Holmes, community team manager for Perfect World Entertainment, was on the Star Trek Online website and forums to promote the Arc launcher that we've been talking about on the show. It's coming. It's going to happen. We're not going to stop it, and we're probably not going to contain it either. But he's invited players to download it and provide feedback to the customer service team. So there's that. But it's only through new people, though, right? At some point, that's going to change. It is now going to be mandatory at some point to have the ARC launcher, because here's the thing, though. Because I've launched Star Trek Online through Steam. Well, he addressed that. That was one of the reasons I made my little joke. Because apparently there's no plans right now to change the Steam process. If you go through Steam, it's, you're going to stay through Steam. 
The Obelisk Carrier. Get a free gift box containing your very own ancient, powerful relic starship carrier of doom. Just by completing the Sphere of Influence featured episode before server maintenance starts on December 5th, 2013. After that, members of fleets who have finished the Tier 1 of the main track of the Fleet Spire Outpost will find that they can purchase their very own piece of living galactic history. But it's not clear if it'll show up in the Fleet Shipyard or through some interact in the Spire holding itself, so stand by for details to come on that. You can, however, open the box at level 40 and get yourself a tank with 43,500 hull points and a sweet turn rate of 5 degrees per second. Can anyone say battleship? Yes, because it's ginormous. It comes with two hangar bays, that's six each, with obelisk swarmer hangar pets, okay? But if you want the free upgrade for those slots, just listen to this. Tony's son, James, who's 11 years old and a genius, okay, went ahead and verified this for us. Well, we grabbed a tip from Ian451 on the Stowe Forum, and I, uh, as James said, I handed it off to my son, uh, James, and he tested this out for us. First, what you do is you got to get the Accolade Reconnaissance by checking all the optional consoles on the sides of the main blue paths. These are marked by yellow, green, and red icons. And once you get to the last main blue console, Worf will make some kind of remark about the Delta Quadrant. And then on your mission log, this will give you the six out of six consoles checked. That little objective will be completed. Before you go to the last platform, go back to one of the first optional consoles. I believe there's more than one, but at least if you go back to the very first optional console, I know that's there. If you uh, check out that console, interact with that, there's going to be a new option to check the hidden cache. Once you do that, you'll be able to pick up two advanced obelisk swarmer pets for your hangers. How about a brief rundown of the stats of this behemoth? Well, it's a lot. Required wank, of course, is 40, Rear Admiral, Lower Half, Fed, Brigadier General, Romulan, Sub-Admiral 1, just in case you need to know. Faction is for all availability. This, of course, comes from the featured episode Reward Limited Time or your Tier 1 Fleet Spire Outpost later. Uh, we got three weapons in the front, three weapons in the back. Device slots is 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, I said. Base turn rate of 5 degrees per second. That's Odyssey class is 6, so just to give you, you know, an it's idea slow. of what you're looking at. Yeah, it's slow. It's big, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's big. Huge. It's one of the largest ships in the game. So, bridge officer stations are one lieutenant tactical, one lieutenant engineering, one commander engineering, one lieutenant commander science, one ensign universal... And a partridge in a pear tree. Console modifications go for two tactical, four engineering, three science. You've got plus ten to shield and plus ten to auxiliary. Hangar base, two. Again, folks, two hangar bays. Okay, we're talking a lot of swarmers here. You're kicking out a lot of little ships. That's 12, okay? Six out of each bay. It's pretty awesome. Elijah, let's talk about the Lobby version. Now, you can also purchase an advanced obelisk carrier for 800 Lobi. This is in line with the other low-buy storeships like the Tholian Recluse Carrier or the Romulan Assimilated Battlecruiser. But there is a bit of a catch here. As a reward for completing the featured episode twice, you can get a free two-piece space set to kit out your new ancient carrier. But if you want the third piece, you've got to buy the low-buy ship. Now here's the difference between the base ship and the low-buy. Hull strength is 47,850. Shield modifier, 1.1. Bridge officer stations change ever so slightly with one lieutenant tactical, one commander engineering, one lieutenant commander science. Here's where it changes. You have one ensign universal and one lieutenant universal. With a total of 10 consoles, two tactical, five engineering, three science. You will still get the hangar bays, but the low buy, like we mentioned earlier, comes with a universal console titled Reactive Antiproton Cascade Emitter. For those of you that may not be aware, the three-piece set bonus provides you with the enhanced carrier synergy, activating any emergency power ability while having all three set pieces equipped causes your hangar pets to activate a weaker version of the same power. Now, for those of you that may not have 800 lobi lying around, uh, the two-piece set bonus that you'll receive is the focused anti-proton emitter. 
A starship that has two pieces of the ancient obelisk technology set equipped gains a 10% bonus to anti-proton damage. Clearly, this is a different step for them because you can get the two-piece set for free. You can get the basic carrier for free. So you can run this little setup as soon as you do the feature episode twice. I mean, that's, that's great. You get it all for basically for time in the game. Cheeks and seats. Well done. Here's your reward. But if you want the cool stuff, it's 800 lobby. That are going the exchange once they hit. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but somebody has to buy lockboxes to get the lobby. Oh, yeah. There's now, I mean, the next piece of news we have is a free lobby event connected with the replay of the, all the featured episodes that are coming up. So that'll help. But it's still a lot of playtime because you got to do that daily every day for about 15 lobby, a 15 lobby reward. So well, there's either a lot of cheeks and a lot of seats or people are going to be buying lockbox keys left and right to unlock that third piece of the bonus set and the you know higher level carrier. Tony, we also had uh, an early patch this week. Why don't you talk to us about these patch notes? Well, that was kind of fun. The, you know, I, we're kind of kicking around spitballing the uh, early patch, the Wednesday patching, typically Star Trek Online patches on Thursdays. And they ran the patch a day early for some reason, probably to manage web traffic or something on their servers. So if you know, getting people logging in to play the game on Thursday wouldn't interfere with people patching the game. Uh, so I went out yesterday, and I got a chance to play it. It was a lot of fun, and uh, a lot of people have uh, come down uh, saying this is a really good episode, a really good uh, effort by Encryptic's part. Um, you guys have all played it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I actually got to play it on... I was one of the few that got to play it on the 30th because my fleet first officer found it and sent me a text saying, Did you play it? It was awesome. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not until tomorrow. No, it's there now. Go, go, go. One of the few. Are you kidding me? When I logged in on Wednesday, it was the most congested sector space I have seen in quite some time. Yeah, and the social media thing, I think this is a great experiment, actually. I mean, maybe it was a mistake, but it's kind of a great experiment that, you know, the word of mouth got around the community pretty quickly, and a lot of people were logging in a day early to play a featured episode that wasn't supposed to be out yet. So, um, hopefully, even if it was an accident, Cryptic's taking a look at this going, huh, maybe we can use this instead of, oh, I don't know some sort of invasive software piece that we have to use to monitor your social media. But uh, also in the patch notes, we also got a new PVE uh, queue, the Alachi uh, PVE action there. Uh, you need to escort a flotilla of allied science ships who must shut down a newly discovered Iconian gateway. It rewards a choice of fleet or Romulan marks. Not a bunch of marks by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not a real tough mission. It's uh, just a lot of uh, blowing some ships up and uh, protecting some other ships. and It's an easy 10, 15-minute little run, and uh, you get a few marks for your efforts. I think it was like 30 or 40 marks or something like that when I did it today. And, um, you know, it's not hard. But one thing that's nice is it's they're using the Alachi some more because I remember a big complaint a while back was, wait, we fought them like two times, and now we've never seen them since. So, I mean, here's a, you're a way for us to get in there and kill some Alachi, not to mention those who are accolade hunters like myself who wanted, you know, to be able to kill enough to collect all the kill accolades on the Alachi. Hey, here's your opportunity. Perfect place to do it. Before we move on with our interview with uh, cryptic content designer Kate Bankson, uh, we do want to give you our brief opinions on this new featured episode that just hit Holodeck and Star Trek Online. I gotta say, I thoroughly enjoyed this featured episode. Every featured episode, they seem to top the last. And just when we thought that that was it for Star Trek voiceovers, here comes Michael frickin' Dorn to reprise the role of Worf. And I gotta say, that was spectacular. It was like listening to an episode of The Next Generation. I know some of you might disagree, just ever so slightly, uh, but he just... It, it just felt right. It felt right to have him there. I think one of my, my favorite moments of the featured episode was uh, the one scene where you blast through the doors. Yes. You walk through with Worf. This, this ball, you walk through this ball of fire with Worf, and I just couldn't help but go, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna... And I laughed, and I it was a squee moment. <laughs> <laughs> my only thought was when they did that, that cutscene was that Worf's gun was way too small. I did love Act 3 of that featured episode. When you walk into this interactive library and how, as you went from console to console, 
the effects just changed so beautifully, so so beautifully. And finally, that last when you finally hit that last console, uh, these swarms. It screamed the Matrix. It did scream the Matrix. I was about to say that. I I was in the middle of the Zion battle platform, watching the Sentinels pour through. It was so so exciting. And I got to say, the mini games were great too. I really enjoyed uh, the mini games. I did have a pen and paper handy for the first one. And the second one was quite genius. I really liked that. Here was my one thing. Michael Dorn was very articulate in the yeah. way he spoke as Worf this time around. It was brilliant to see him back, and it was, you know, spine tingly to hear him, like, you know, talk to you, like, we better go check this out because it's really a big problem. Like, yeah, Worf, it's a problem. We, gotta, we, gotta, we better handle this, Worf. That's right, buddy. Let's go do this. But it, at the same time, it was just. Someone had been to their diction coach that week. I mean, it felt like Worf. It sounded like Worf. He talked like Worf. Dorn was good. I mean, he was. It was. It was it's it's spine tingly to have him back, but it just seemed like he was enunciating Worf. And pay attention, everyone, because this is Worf. Before we move on, one last thing: a huge shout out to Adrian Grady, who did the voice of Adrana Tukerhav. Uh, she did a phenomenal job. It was so fun to hear her playing such a pivotal role in this featured episode. So congratulations to Adrienne Grady. It, it was great. It was great. Really, it was. All right, Captains, the moment you've been waiting for. Let's dig deep into the creation of this new featured episode, Sphere of Influence, with cryptic content designer Kate Bankson. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, back on the show this episode is content designer Kate Bankson. We first spoke with Kate in person during our trip to Vegas, and she's back again to talk about the hugely successful featured episode, Sphere of Influence. Kate, thank you for joining us once again. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, now, before we move forward, let's preface this interview with a huge spoiler alert. Captains, we will be talking about Sphere of Influence, some of our favorite parts, and perhaps even some details you may miss during your first run of the missions. So don't say we didn't warn you. Before we get started, let's reintroduce you to the community. How long have you been at Cryptic? Where did you come from before that? And what are you doing for them now? Uh, well, I am on the Stowe team. I am a uh, content designer, and I've been at Cryptic for almost five years now. I came on uh, shortly before the launch of Champions. I was on Champion, I guess maybe a year before the launch. Uh, I was on Champions for uh, four years, and then I joined the Stowe team last November. So I've been part of the world of Stowe for the last year or so, and I've enjoyed it immensely. Prior to that, I was in a company in Arizona, Cheyenne Mountain, and uh, prior to that, I was in grad school. So that was pretty cool. And so, yay, I'm really happy to be working in the industry. It's great. And what other missions have you worked on for Star Trek Online since you've been on the team? Well, most of the stuff that I've been on has been the legacy of Romulus things. So the sleepers mission, the kind of survival horror sort of mission uh, with the, the Borg cube that you go into. Uh, mm -hmm. I did Kittimer. Kittimer was lots of fun to do. I was super excited. That was the very first thing they gave me when I uh, came onto the team. They're like, hi, we're doing this giant expansion and here is your first mission. And, and <laughs> my artist and I kind of went, <laughs> this is so exciting. It was one of the pivotal bits in the storyline. Yeah. The Kittimer mission, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they hadn't uh, introduced that part to us, um, but they said, you know, we knew that it was going to be kind of the thing where you're a Romulan, and then you have to choose a faction to kind of pal around with, and then they said, and here's Kittimer, and it's about level 10, and it was like, oh, all those pieces, you know, add up, and oh my god, this is the mission where you choose. This is going to oh. be awesome. <laughs> so... <laughs> Was super excited to work on that and then most of the Alachi arc towards the end of the new Romulus experience so lots of really fun super awesome interesting things and uh, after that we kind of figured out what we were going to be doing next and the thing they told me that I was going to be doing was I was going to be doing the feature episode and I was super excited to do that okay so so let's talk about the genesis of this mission for starters <laughs> how long has it been in the works Oh, it's been in the works for a while. Perhaps even better yet, how long have you and the creative team known that this was the direction that the story was going to take? 
pretty much the beginning. We, we knew that we really wanted to have a special guest star. We didn't know precisely who it was going to be. We knew generally who it was going to be by around Vegas. And so uh, I couldn't say a thing, but I knew you guys were going to totally flip and enjoy it. And hopefully that has been the truth. Pretty much from the beginning, we, we kind of got some directions from the leads and from Dan and Al uh, saying, you know, this is going to be the bridge between what we currently have and what is coming up in season eight. And so there are certain you know, marks and notes and things that we need to do to, to convey to the players to kind of give them an awesome experience that also does a little bit of the footwork for storytelling and gets them excited for the stuff that we're going to be doing next. And so very early on, that was kind of the point of this episode was to be this bridge and to make it a really, really awesome experience that isn't just like, you know, a giant mass of exposition. So let me get this straight. So at Vegas, when we were all hanging out around the booth. You guys already knew that you were working on Michael Dorn and you didn't say anything? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that is super secret. Yeah. Well played. We, we well played. knew uh, there were a couple of actors that the directors really were looking at. Uh, it just worked out with, you know, all the legalities and all the lawyers and stuff like that and scheduling and, and things that Mr. Dorn was, was available to work with us. And after much back and forth and back and forth with contracts and things, uh, we got him and we were pleased as punch to have him. He's totally awesome. And he's in the game. And it's really, really cool. Now, so. the interesting thing was that I... Th- I don't know if this was done on purpose, but there was a dev blog with Barkley, and I think a lot of people thought, ooh, perhaps Barkley can do a, a voiceover. Was that purposeful misdirection? No, I think it was just it was just a coincidence that that was a thing that was brought up. At least at least as far as I am aware. It may possibly have been a masterful misdirection. But uh, <laughs> if so, then I have been mis- misdirected as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they are so clever. They're snookering you guys. They're, sending, they're snookering their own yeah. people. That's Man, that's, that's just cold. You said you knew that Dorn was going to be coming in at Vegas, but I want to talk about how long have you guys known that you guys were going to be hooking together every single alien of the week <laughs> since season, what, three of TNG. I mean, oh, you're, you've man. got some, you got the Solanogen guys, you got the guy, the, the Shroomies from Enterprise, you got uh, some DS9 sprinkled in, you got some, uh, okay, so who's been going around collecting the one-offs and putting them all together? Gosh, uh, group effort. Part of that is, <laughs> is that's a really good question for Christine, if you can nail her uh, down so, and get some time so with her. She's um, the mastermind. Just, a little bit, yes. Okay, we've... we've this is good yeah. radio, but I'm, I'm putting my fingertips together in an evil, mastermindy kind of way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we have to we have to get her on to get that question. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a great opportunity for us to kind of do that. So. All right. Let me ask you this: You've just left the meeting where you were given the task mm-hmm. to create this mission. You walk back to your desk. You sit down. You stare at the screen. What next? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Dan gave us, you know, a, a few directives that he wanted uh, on top of the kind of the guts, the structure things that we needed to hit. We needed to know that, you know, it has to get from A to A to Z. How are we going to get there? And Dan's like, well, here are these letters you, I really would like you guys to hit on in between. And uh, one of those was uh, kind of surreal path that, that uh, Spock takes, I think, uh, approaching V'ger. So that was an element that we wanted to kind of incorporate. Uh, it was a note we wanted to play in addition to all of this. And so my artist and I kind of looked at one another and went, oh, gosh, what does that even mean? And so we went scouring the web for some stuff that we thought might fulfill kind of those requirements in sort of like a visual atmosphere kind of way. And then, you know, presented those be like, all right, are you thinking this? Are you thinking this? Are you thinking this? Got some more feedback. And then he and I sat down in one of our conference rooms and with a whiteboard and cleared it off and then said, okay, how are we doing this? What's going on? And one of the interesting things that we came up with is the, is the kind of the concept everything is a Murphy bed and that's one of the things that uh, <laughs> that appeared in the the first you know kind of meetings between Adam and myself and that you know managed to kind of make its way through the whole thing so all those things that appear as you kind of need them in very very high advanced kind of way they'll pop out yeah. of the walls or out of the floor or, right you know, right like, you know, if bridges you're extend on, yeah exactly and so so we went back and forth at kind of like you know we, we had uh, many 
masters to please and we kind of you know how do we how do we fill this all how do we make this feel like a, you know a, a really cool star trek uh, experience for the players and oh hey we're getting a guest star cool all right you're gonna go on an adventure with this guest star and we're gonna kind of hit those notes it's gonna be a little bit creepy it's gonna be you know kind of not very very fish out of water you're not gonna know kind of exactly what's going on we thought you know okay uh, you know from here all right how do we do this kind of thing all right let's start with you know we knew we were going to use the uh, Iconian gates as, as part of this and so the idea we're like all right well how about we start here and then everything goes wrong and then you all have to go through the gate and then you're stuck on the other side and then you have to get home and then you know figuring out like well what is what is you know uh, what is providing the urgency that you know keeps you pushing you through the mission and how do you give the players uh, lots of agency in the mission when you have such big names with them and make them feel awesome but also that you get to go on this cool adventure with all these cool people that you've seen in other episodes and mm-hmm. you know especially this guest star oh man we went through a lot of iterations on the paper design first off and then uh white boxing and then actually when we came back uh from vegas i was told i had another month on it because we wanted to expand the uh the middle part we decided that well we're getting this giant guest star and we really really want to showcase that and we want to you know kind of make it awesome and this isn't awesome enough so we're going to give you another month and you're going to basically take that middle section rip it apart build it into a new colossal awesome thing and then we'll go from there <laughs> i'm guessing that was the part where you and Worf go spelunking throughout the cavern system you know finding different stuff is that where you got to get to be buddies with him yeah, that's greatly expanded. It originally was just the bridge section in there, and that was it was a much different kind of configuration. That was more of a puzzle in and of itself, and we decided that that really didn't play very well. And there were just two. We, we rethought it, and we took this as an opportunity to rethink this and, and make it a, a more interesting experience. And this is actually in this part of like uh, redid the middle part was when we were like, you know what, we really want to tie it into a concrete episode, something that gives people a touchstone to kind. Kind of relate to it's a little bit too far out there it's a little bit too kind of crazy um, let's bring it back to something that they know of and then you know talked with uh christine and charles and al and we're like you know here here's an interesting idea what if we tie it to that episode schisms and so that's when it kind of got this alien abduction theme going through it in that you know the part when you're kind of in the station you that was a brilliant piece of misdirection you told me i had to ask christine that question so, but but you well, guys came sure. with the schisms. You guys came with the schisms thing. You asked about all the extra aliens of the week. So oh um. oh okay. See, oh Al has gotten to you. <laughs> I got to say that was one of my favorite moments. Walking into that room and seeing the same table that played such a pivotal role in that episode where they're all in the holodeck and they they spend so much time trying to recreate the the scene mm-hmm. in their mind, this dream of theirs, and then you walk in and. Holy crap! There's the table. What's I told the hook? my artist that he kind of he kind of gave me this look like what? It was like no no there's this is a table. Just go go on Netflix. We'll sc- scrub to that part of the episode and we need that table. And so we yeah. scrub. He's like, it looks like a prop from the eighties. I'm like, it was a prop from the eighties. She's <laughs> yeah. like, yes, okay. <laughs> and so we ended up putting that. In. And he's like, well, how is it going to match with the other aesthetic we come in? I was like, no no no, you'll figure it out. You're awesome. And so he did. And and it looks just like the thing from the show. And it really makes that you know it really sells that no 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 this is a thing within the larger context of the series and stuff. It's a concrete item that yes. is recognizable across the different media. You know, it, it looked that way on TV. It looks that way on the computer screen. Worf looks like he did back in the 80s. I mean, you guys did a fantastic <laughs> job. I mean, The long, flowing hair. The long locks, yes, yes. Oh, Everything. His, his, face, awesome. his face looks like a picture. The of model was costume. great. High oh, five. Man. Go find the guy that did the, the character model and give him a high five for us. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll do. Uh, we were using the uh, the old and busted version of Worf um, for a really long time, and then suddenly I log in one day. I've gotten latest uh, on our file, and I'm going to work on a mission. And Contact Two po- pops up, and oh my God, it's Worf, and it looks like Worf. That's really cool. And then the first time I put the video, the audio in, and it's Worf talking to me. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, that looked cool. I, I admit I squeed a little at my desk, and you know. Matt Miller, who's working on the uh, the Fed tutorial, turns around. He's like, "You're happy? Did you just get VO?" I was like, "Yes, it's really yes. cool." <laughs> <laughs> well, other than Michael Dorn and the and the squeeing, what was your favorite part of the mission? What's the, what is your best moment in there? The one you're most proud of? The bridge area is really cool. It's something you know you don't see too often. 
haven't seen anything similar to it, you know, kind of in, in, in Trek. And so you're, you've been in this kind of enclosed sort of, you know, dark area, and then suddenly you're in this vast expanse. You're learning all this stuff, and as you approach all these platforms, everything changes, and you're kind of like, whoa, what the heck's going on here? And, mm-hmm. you know, the bridges look so cool as they're extending. Um, and so it's, it's, it's this really kind of like, wow, I've walked into something larger. And I think that's been really, really cool. And I'm glad that we got to uh, kind of do that. Let me ask you about that type of tech, that type of amazing animation. What challenges did you face along the way as you made the mission? I know you, for instance, had to redo the, the middle part. Uh, but mm-hmm. what else? What, what, perhaps what kind of mechanics were introduced or what did you have to jerry-rig to make the mission work? There are lots of little things that we've used in, in other contexts and stuff and just getting it in and working. There's an awful lot more uh, mini contacts talking to you with everything. And that's not, you know, jury rigged or anything. It was just using it in, in a more extensive way than we had used it before. So, you know, you kind of have your buddy talking to you the entire way through the first iteration of that. It was much more stop and look at your contact 2.0. And then after some feedback, we're like, this is too herky-jerky. You know, putting them into the mini contacts on the side... It, felt felt much better the the kit pieces itself were really interesting they're constructed uh kind of in a slightly modular fashion they're pie slices basically and you know you have the opportunity to put doors on you know not just the 90 degrees it's 45s as well and so there was a lot of technical challenges to kind of uh, make kits that curved make things that work together and fit together well so we didn't have any awful seams and uh so that it looked good and it looked like a place that was intended to look like that it wasn't fake feeling and so i think the getting that map down and getting the kit pieces together for that and placing them in a way that made sense and wasn't too long and wasn't too short um that was probably the one of the largest technical hurdles just in and design hurdles in terms of just putting things together and then uh once we got the bridges it was a lot of hee how can i make this thing fun um, that was actually really lots of fun that was amazing i mean walking onto every platform that was one of my favorite parts of the mission and seeing the fade in so seamlessly into this amazing background. It was beautiful. It really was beautiful is really what it boils down to. It was just beautiful. We actually had to get uh, tech to do that. Um, We've had Skybox change things um, beforehand, but for whatever reason, we didn't have it like on command, basically, um, that you could turn them on and off. And so the sky fade at the very end, when everything goes all red and very scary, that was actually uh, a request that we made. And originally, we were talking about having you go to the console and you click on the console and then everything changes and suddenly you're looking at Kronos. Suddenly you're looking at Iconia. We'd had just the skybox fades uh, in there as kind of, you know, just, all right, we're putting it in, we'll get this tech in like a week. That's when they're scheduled to do it. And it just, it looked really great. So we just left it because it looked really, really nice. And it played really well. Like, like, whoa, I, I'm in a totally different area. What? That's, yeah. Yeah. Because that's, uh, goes along with the little side face picture portraits with the, with the little dialogue on the side. You don't mm-hmm. have to touch anything. You know, yeah. if, uh, the more, the more sort of those hidden triggers that you hit, the more it feels like I'm in a place that's doing things to me. Mm-hmm. And that makes it more scary. You know, if I'm crossing a threshold on the bridge and then the skybox changes around to me, I didn't do anything. I'm just walking mm-hmm. here. What are you doing? Yeah, it, it makes it more you know, immersive. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated those touches uh, a lot. The other thing that we ended up getting that was new, we got some new custom animations, uh, featured episodes. So, you know, a little bit more time and resources put towards it because um, you, you only have so many man hours in a week and, you know, so much time before your deadline. And so, you know, Sean, when he's getting abducted, that little like, oh, God, what, what's coming at me? That got added and, in. And, and uh, Worf, Worf directing traffic. That was a new yep. one, I thought. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a new one. That was a new one. Um, and uh, we actually have another one that's coming in, the really, really short one, where you bust down the door, which is one of my more favorite moments, I think. The bad boys uh, moment. Was bad yeah. boys moment, yep. Oh, man. Yeah. I was like, so you're so when we are kind of approaching this and we knew we had the guest star, we knew who it was going to be, it's kind of like, all right, you're, in, you're on a mission with Worf. What do you want to do? You're a Star Trek fan. What do you want to do? I was like, well, gee, what do I want to do? Well, I want to be a badass. And hopefully you don't have to censor that. Um, but yeah, so it was like, yeah, you know what? You're just going to bust down the door and it's going to be awesome. And it, it worked was. out. It was. Yeah. That was that was the second moment. I was like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> you know, a definite gamer moment that it was just so fun to, to bad boys through a door. Uh, Michael Bay do, through a door with Michael Dorn. One other question that just popped into my head when we were discussing that sure. final scene there. Not only was the Simon Says really fun. Uh, that was really cool. I like that. Uh, but right after when, you know, everything goes red and you have the swarms, 
mm-hmm. I immediately thought, okay, this is the final battle at Zion in the Ma- in Matrix Revolutions. Okay, <laughs> is that is what inspiration other than Trek, of course, did you draw from? Like, did you use things of that nature to to oh gosh everything to paint these these pictures? Yeah. The, the, uh, for, the forums are going wild with how you guys oh, rip No, I love Stargate. that thread. It's currently my favorite thread. I love it. <laughs> you guys um, ripped off this. You guys ripped off that. <laughs> it's not ripping off so much as paying no. homage. Uh, much of these pl- things are not the originators of, of these tropes either. I mean, they're tropes no. because no. you use them a lot and they work. But definitely, I love pretty much all sci-fi. So, you know, like, ooh, can I steal this moment from here? Does it play well? Yes. Oh-ho. But it, at its core, it needs to be Trek. So we had to keep that in respect respect that because uh, we respect the fans we respect the property definitely the kind of the end it was a little bit when you're at the end of the matrix when the giant squid comes up and mm-hmm. looks at neo and you have that kind of moment yeah that's spot on that was one of the influences there um definitely you know kind of stargate thing for going through the gate after everything goes wrong kind of survival horror is in there you know alien abduction is in there schisms itself the episode is very much it's an alien abduction episode and so we wanted to kind of get that kind of creepy factor um when audio got in there with the clicking sound oh man it's like this suddenly went really quick creepy because it wasn't really creepy before and then you know the audio came in it was man this is really creepy Um, it really is those little things you know i mean mm -hmm. and like elijah talked about the swarmers and stuff my thing again with the skybox changes and the little the little side scrolling pictures mm-hmm. uh, when when Sean said oh that's not the only thing that got reset and then mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of like Look, and then I and then just out of the corner of my screen I saw those little symbols and the ceiling start to change and I pivoted my screen and saw them all light up yeah and, I went, and that was it was one of those things where I'm like uh-oh personally I didn't notice a whole lot of new technical changes like one of the previous featured episode had those uh career specific accolades and that was a new thing and mm-hmm. you know every time and, and the uh, DS9 thing had the the spacewalk okay so I was kind of you know that was a new thing but you guys are just like like tweaking all these little things you already have and sort of yeah. like nudging it north a little bit and it's just like there were a couple moments in here where I was like it feels more like an organic environment that's really one of our goals kind of uh, how can I make this a fun experience and and so I mean yes you're gonna go kill 10 pigs a lot of, in a lot of these missions just in general but how can we make that really fun um, you know how can we make your experiences you know really entertaining can we can we put a new twist on you know clicking on the console or doing the mini game or you know going to that position over there that you know makes it feel like no no really I'm just gonna go over there because I was gonna go over there anyway and oh there's mm-hmm. a reminder on my screen saying go over there yeah we didn't yeah. get a lot of like you know straight up new tech on this one but it, it was uh relying a lot on uh, it was a lot of under the hood stuff to get it to work so and just the way that the story was told was you know as tony said it was so organic and i don't remember oh, ever good, good, really good. thinking to myself in previous featured episodes like wow you know i like i was definitely wow don't don't Try not to misunderstand mm-hmm. that, but in this particular episode, I felt immersed in the world, and that mm-hmm. was amazing. Just a lot of like it is mission. relying on stuff like we did. Uh, the new stuff all came in Legacy of Romulus, um, and, and a lot of these things we wouldn't have been able to do had we not been able to um, implement them in Legacy. Because, like you know, the mini contacts and Contact 2.0, and um, which is what we call the new contact screen, where you know you can see the characters' faces and they talk to you. And a lot of those things really, I think, help just keep you, you know, it, it, it gets the game out of your way and you just get to play. Yeah, the, the contacts 2.0, the mini contacts over on the side, the, mm-hmm. it, just just lean on those because that really makes it feel like things are happening to you. Mm-hmm. I can keep walking. I can keep heading towards that next console. I can keep heading towards the 10th pig I have to kill. Yeah. Um, but but you know, the, but the guy tells me, "Oh my God, it's the tenth pig! Watch out for that one!" You know, I mean, just stuff yeah. that makes me feel like I I don't. We try I, and the, make it yeah. you know a little bit more exciting than kill ten pigs um, and the stuff. But that's kind of the jokey thing that you know you talk hey, about. It's one of yeah. Dan's design goals. You know, as as I'm thinking and listening here, I'm I'm remembering and I'm thinking back on all like the big featured episodes that pop into my head. You know, like Coliseum. You know, and a lot of that was we have new tech. Let's use it. Boom. You know. Mm-hmm. But in this case, in this mission, not only was the art beautiful, but the storyline, like you said earlier, felt organic. And I felt like I was actually in a, playing Star Trek. You know, I felt mm-hmm. Star Trek. Oh, good. And it wasn't good really good. over. It really it wasn't over action. Yeah, it had its moments. But it wasn't, you know, an explosive, you know, action-packed Michael Bay film except for that one scene with, with <laughs> Michael Dorn. And that was legitimately awesome. And I was like, epic. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't diehard. It was yeah, very yeah. much, you know, we're, we're going to get out of Silent Hill. We're going to, you know, get out of the alien ship a little bit, you know, kind of cowboys and aliens kind of thing going on there. Uh, if you've seen that recently mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the, the where it came from, um, you know, obviously many references and influences and stuff. But I, it's it's a really cool kind of unique amalgamation of what needed to happen um and and just how to tell the story in a way that makes people go like wow that was fun let's do it again it's a little bit long um so that's that's possibly my one regret you don't feel no no No, yeah you really don't don't feel it you know you can burn one character you can burn through it in you know 30 minutes you only have there's only three or four little fights and only the one space battle at the end is really a a big fight you just you just f-bomb through the uh through the dialogue text, and you're good to yeah. go. But uh, I love the Tron bridges, man. The That's Tron bridges. Though, yeah. It's it's not. It's he a fun added, environment to go back to. It's a fun yeah. environment to go back to. So so he added um, uh, lights to the edges of the Tron bridges, and that just improved the experience quite a bit. We were like, <laughs> it's do, 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 oh my god! Oh! When you say when you I'm say falling. he, just to clarify, uh, it's uh, Adam? Adam Flores, who is my artist on this one. Um, it was not Taco. Uh, everybody thinks Taco does all the art everywhere. He does quite a lot of art <laughs> for us. But Adam uh, and I said, "Hey, do you have a forum name I can refer to you by?" He's like, "No, I should." I'm do not that. going there. Taco. That's why Taco gets all the credit and all the blame. Yeah, pretty but, much. Yes, yeah, because yeah, he's but, out there. Yeah. He puts himself out there like that. Yeah, Adam uh, previously worked on, uh, on um, sleepers with me and uh, the Alachi stuff. So. Um, yeah, they threw us at this thing and said, go. And we're like, okay, all right. Here's the crazy thing we came up with. They're like, all right, can you do it? Yes, we can. All right, go for it. It's been a, it's been a fun adventure. Um, working on it quite a bit because I was nearly done in August and then came back from Vegas and they said, here's another month to work on it. And then worked on it for that time and then uh, worked on some season eight stuff um, basically while we were getting all the voiceover recorded and then got that done, finished up the cutscenes. Cutscenes were a lot of fun to do on this one. It's a lot of talking heads, but it was a lot of fun to do as well. So, well, yeah, Star Trek is a lot of talking heads sometimes. <laughs> we had mentioned about perhaps the length of the, of the featured episode, which I, I really don't think is, is very long. And then Tony said about F-bombing through it. But yeah. uh, we already know of the accolade and reward that you earn while completing the mission. Are there any other <laughs> hidden gems or small details that you've noticed players have overlooked? Gosh, I think everybody's gotten most everything. Um, that long thread that, uh, that that people were talking about, you know, is this a reference? Is this a red? They're wholesale. Kind of, no, everything's rip off of everything else. And it's like, no, they're referencing. It's cool. It's an homage. And on and on. And I love that thread. It's great. They noticed Commander Ninyan. They noticed that, you know, you, you said you noticed that the gates all come on. I was a little bit worried because we didn't take control of your camera that people would just no, be don't. like... No, no, yeah. no, don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't like doing it. I really yeah. don't like doing it. And, you know, Charles is like, no, we shouldn't do it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I really don't want to do that. And so we were very adamant about that. We had some people saying, well, why don't you just put it in a cutscene? We're like, no, 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 no. No, it has to be in the world. It feels better in the world. Speaking of hidden things, I can't think of another featured episode where you have super secret prizes hidden away in an Easter egg sort of a thing. After you get the accolade, you can go get the fighter pets. Yes. That's that- new, too. That is a slightly unintended, and I'm really hoping soon, TM, that I'll get that better addressed. The issue is some technical stuff in the background of why that is the way it is. That's unintended. I intended oh. you to just get the thing. And so um, it uh... kind of has the cool side effect of the second time you play it. Hey, you get your prize. Like, that's kind of neat. But that was not the original intent. Um, oh. It was that no, you get your thing. I think, so. I think you should keep it. Yeah. yeah. Make, make it right. happy accident. No, seriously, because you've already got the thing in there where you should go play it twice, right? Mm-hmm. To get the two-piece set. And, yeah. you know, it's one it, of it those things. It is kind of nice that, you know, it's a second thing that you get yeah. other than just your set bonus. So, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't too, like, stop the presses. Oh, no, this thing is not there. And it passed QA because QA, like, you know, they didn't have a problem with it. And it comes down to, well, crap, we need to get this thing out. And so it, it was like, oh, that's a thing. It wasn't what we wanted, but it works. So, I, I say accident. happy accident. Yeah, just yeah, I, I agree with Tony. I agree with Tony. Leave that. Leave it just the way it is. I think people people appreciate it more that it was a happy Easter egg. Oh man, I missed it the first time. I wish I would have gotten. Yeah. It. And uh, or I wish I would have found it. And I think that mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pleasant little surprise. Speaking of QA, quick question, and perhaps you can or cannot answer it. Everywhere on the website, it said October thirty first, and yet the featured episode landed on Wednesday the thirtieth. Yes, it did. Did someone forget to change a one to a, z- a no. zero to a one? 
No, indeed. It, it was not. That was intentional. You guys seem to love our featured episodes, and we love that you love our featured episodes, but it has always made us very sad that uh, when we turn a featured episode on, everybody in the world plays it, and that causes problems. You know, you don't get as, as much responsiveness from the servers. You know, there ends up being some additional lag. There's a really, really heavy load. We end up having tra- transaction errors. And so we put it in the patch notes that it was turned on on Wednesday uh, to try and get people who are paying attention, like, you know, go on it, guys. It's totally cool. So we, we soft launched it a little bit um, to try and basically improve the performance overall for everybody. Um, so those of you who were paying attention, um, you get to go in first and that's really cool. And then word of mouth spreads like wildfire because suddenly you're showing up in this, you know, giant ship that kind of looks like a portal gun. And um, you know, where'd How'd you, you get, get that? that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the episode's up now. Wow, I want to go play. You know, and um, so so that was that was that was intentional, to, basically to to kind of improve the experience for everybody else. Yeah. I do not know if that's going to be the way things are from now on, but we knew that because we were, uh, you know, we got Dorn in and we had just uh, announced on on uh, Star Trek's website that he was in. There's going to be a lot of interest, and so we wanted to kind of minimize any uh, snafus for you guys. So you could enjoy it. Well, now so. you've trapped yourselves in a corner now because now you're going to have to launch the next one two days early. I like the surprise Wednesday launch. I logged in and it was a pleasant surprise. And I was like, ooh, piece of candy. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, for everybody else, uh, the blast, the you know, the blast went out, all the marketing push happened, and then they all got in and everybody got to play. So it works out. All right. So, Kate, what super secret things are you working on now? Anything you well, can possibly as, share? Uh, as you said, Al got to me. Um, so I can't Dang tell it. you about all the cool things I was going to tell you about. Um, but then I was oh. like, wait, remember, you can't tell them things. I was like, curses. I can't. Um, I can say that uh, uh, I, I believe I'm going to be working on the uh, the anniversary uh, thing that's coming up for the fourth anniversary, I think it is. Yes? Yeah, well, four, so you guys are planning on being around. Yeah, so up, we're yeah. planning on being around in a few months. Um, so yay! So not really super secret, um, but I can't tell you what that is. Obviously, that's all I can say is that I'm going to be working on that in the near future. Um, well, but well, you've managed to keep all the super secret stuff super secret. So I'll yeah. let you come back on the show sometime. Yes, indeed. Well, Kate, thank you so very much for joining us again here on Priority One Podcast. Again, congratulations on the success of the phenomenal featured episode. And uh, oh, we thank hope- you very much. We hope you'll uh, you'll join us again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, when the next th- big thing that comes out uh, happens, you guys will want to talk about it. So now yeah. you, uh, we're always talking about Star Trek Online, <laughs> but uh, now you every don't, week we are every mm-hmm. week we are. Now you don't yet have a forum name, right? If I understand, or did you finally land I, on one? I finally decided on Shalana. Um, okay. It's the name of my main character's uh, first first ever bridge officer and she's this awesome looking Andorian and I'm like you know what she's pretty cool so I'm going to use that um, as, as my forum name it sounds nifty so yep All right, uh, I showed so- up in game a couple times so awesome well captains be sure to keep a lookout uh, for Kate on the forums and again thank you so much yeah thank you message coming in sir hailing frequencies open <laughs> see we are getting to know each other we got tons of comments on the thread Brand Flakes posted on the STO forums for the Al Rivera interview supplement. Way too much to go through tonight, guys, honestly. My biggest impression of the feedback was, while the KDF players may not have the numbers, they easily make up for it in passion. Thanks to everybody who left a comment, and uh, go feel free to check out that thread if you want to see what your fellow players thought about to that episode. Our next piece of feedback from episode 147 came from Marcus, who says, Good show. Appreciate the nod to the Rodberry passing. Absolutely loved the Al Rivera two-part interview. Awesome sauce. Okay, so I'm just going to arm and launch this torpedo at you guys, so Ray Shields. Isn't it time for a Stow 2.0? Don't get me wrong. We love the game, and we want Season 100, but face it, the engine is dated. Players accustomed to ME3, Crisis 3, uh, GTA 5, look at the Stowe graphics mechanics with disdain. Congrats on the nomination for Best Produced Podcast and Best Gaming Podcast. Well deserved. My red shirts have received their orders to cast my daily vote or be in the airlock. So, thank you very much. We appreciate that, and uh, yeah. It might be time for a new engine. 
You see, I don't think so. I no? think that most MMOs see a lifespan of several, several years, and Star Trek is only a, in its third year. I think it's still young. Uh, I think it's still fresh. Look at a game, for instance, like World of Warcraft. I hate looking at that game. I really do. Uh, sure, it could, you know, there's there's always room for polish. The way technology works is that something comes out on Monday, and by Friday it's outdated. But I think that Star Trek Online still offers some amazing graphics, some beautiful graphics, both in space and even on the ground. Um, mostly in space, though. Who wants to hear Tony's Crystal Ball? Tony's Crystal Ball. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, Tony's Crystal Ball says, I think they probably already are working on it. When Perfect World bought Cryptic, they bought it specifically as an R&D company. I would imagine that Cryptic is probably developing their next generation engine in-house now to roll out for Perfect World and all of their different environments. So are we going to see a Star Trek Online 2.0? Probably not. I don't think we are. I agree with you, Elijah. I think that it's still good enough especially as compared to the World of Warcraft model that's out there, um, it's good enough. And that's really all you need for an MMO. You don't need, you know, the, the three examples he gave, Mass Effect 3, console game slash standalone PC game. Crisis 3, console game slash PC standalone. Not GTA console slash uh, game. But the Crisis 3 thing is interesting because you're about to say probably MechWarrior, and I was going to say Star Citizen. No, I was going to say Crisis 3 is generally... That engine is generally used to benchmark most graphics cards. I mean, that... And that's a standalone game. No, no. MechWarrior Online runs on the Crisis engine. And Star Citizen is going to run on the, on the Crisis engine. So that's the, that, that is going to be the next generation. So I'm betting that Cryptic is looking at a Crytek engine... Uh, something better than the Unity 3D engine that's out there that people are uh, basing a lot of games on now. I think they're probably developing that now. I doubt very seriously that we're going to see it in Star Trek Online. I really doubt it because Star Trek Online is good enough. It's it's good enough for an MMO, and it still looks better than a lot of other games out there right now. And space is, quite frankly, beautiful. Well, it's beautiful because they have fantastic artists that make the absolute most out of their very yeah, limited Squeeze resources. every bit of it, yes. That's squeeze. right. The Cryptic Engine has always been one of the most robust engines for MMOs. I mean, look at City of Heroes. In terms of, especially in customization, character customization, forget it. I'm not going to argue with you on those. I'm going to argue on graphics quality. Agreed. I'm talking about graphics quality. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I wish it would happen. Could you imagine how beautiful our starships would be? Could you imagine? But here's another thing about an MMO, though, is that when you up the graphics and you up the graphics minimum requirements, you also create a barrier to entry for players that don't have massive rigs. But you want the barrier to entry to be low for those people that can only walk into Best Buy or walk into wherever they go and spend money only on a $300 desktop, on a value desktop or a value laptop. You need to be able to open those doors. And that was something that was said when Perfect World originally, when they first bought Cryptic. One of the first things in our interviews that were discussed was, you guys need to tone down your graphics because we need we need free-to-play players that may not be able to afford the the new 600 series GTX models from, from NVIDIA. We need those players with lesser quality graphics cards or onboard graphics cards to be able to play your game. The last thing a free-to-play company needs is for someone to download a 6-gigabyte game and find out that it runs horribly on their machine. You know what I think has been a huge missed opportunity for Star Trek Online? The fact that the game is 3D capable. If you have a 3D monitor, okay, you can play Star Trek Online in 3D. And that has been a huge oversight. I think that they do not market that enough because with the whole 3D gimmick that's out and about now, the whole 3D craze, how phenomenal would it be to play Star Trek Online in 3D? I think it would be phenomenal. Sean Newboy thinks something else is phenomenal. He thinks the atmospheric effects will be a challenge. For the record, he also doesn't have a problem with the laser-wielding dinosaurs. He says, great show, guys. I especially like the redacted. And warriors, gather your houses. Let this battle not be lost due to our inactions. To the voting booths! Deeks2K4 writes, another great show, guys. Loved the acknowledgement to the great bird himself. I did, however, do a double take when the background music came on, and I thought I'd fallen down the hobbit hole. Put a map pin in the middle of the UK's bum. Keep up the hard work. 
Skiffy replied to that one, our audio engineer. He said, not quite Hobbit music, but I can definitely hear the resemblance. For anyone wondering, that's an orchestral version of Cayman's flute song from TNG, The Inner Light. It just seemed appropriate. Uh, so on Facebook, Jay sent in, wow, nominated in both categories. Excellent. I agree. Thank you. And our last piece of feedback is actually a voicemail message from Richard Grant. Let's go ahead and play that. Hey, guys. I'd just like to uh, – my name is Grant, and I'd just like to uh, comment on the uh, all the new ships that are coming out and uh, kind of the Holy Trinity. And as a guy who likes to play in roles at Tank, um, it's hard for me to choose which ship to pick over uh, – Per se, the Cardassian Galador that I currently use, or uh, Thony Recluse, or the um, new Obelisk that came out. Because, like, how do I know which stats are better than what stats? You know, should I pick the shield modifier over the whole or the uh, crew size and whatnot? And the only feedback it kind of informs is that tanks and heels are obsolete, and that. People can roll through STFs in less than five minutes with all tap teams. And by cryptic not by, oh, wanting to buy into the Holy Trinity and focus on making solo play great, they've kind of biased to sh- taking the ship away from people who want to have a certain function. So you kind of got to balance out multiplayer play and solo play and setting up and can wipe through some stuff and it's not making multiplayer play because people can don't have a specific role. It's just role. Roll face through with text. Um, that's all I got to say, and thanks. All right, so the topic was about the Holy Trinity and how he generally plays a tank, right? Um, what are your guys' thoughts? I think that the uh, obelisk is going to be a really nice choice for him. I think it's, it all comes down to theory crafting, really. I mean, if you get a high hull ship, and then load it up on armor and damage resistances, and then get a bunch of hull heals, and then just be like a super, super armor tank, or get an armor ship and then load up on the shield buffs and the shield heals so you've got a balance between them, or whatever. I think this ship could be a real mean mamma tank. Like, I think yeah. if you built it right, this thing could be just a rock in space. Yeah. Well, and, and, and think about... If, just put yourself in the real world for a little bit here, you know, real world, haha. But, you know, if you were designing that ship and all of your opponents were using transphasic torpedoes, which sort of just ate through your shields, then you'd want a high hull ship because your shields were only going to be half as effective uh, at stopping those uh, kinetic projectiles. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of fun to role play a little bit a, a ship right and say these are the weapons that. I'll be facing what kind of gear should I be doing? What kind of hull do I want to do? And, that, and that's part of the fun of the game for me is that I've got a garage full of ships and one of them's a cloak breaker and one of them's my cruiser tank and one of them's my little fast escort. And, you know, just play with it and see what, uh, see what you like. All right, captains. Don't forget that this week's community question is, is to find out your thoughts on the changes to the reputation system. What do you think so far? Do you think these changes remedy the grindy feel most players feel from the current reputation system? Tell us what you think by leaving your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Facebook, or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Well, that wraps up episode 148, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, every Thursday night, we are live recording on Trek Radio starting at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time or 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for any of our segments, or you have general feedback about the episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like, or check us out on Twitter via at StowPriorityOne. Guys, remember, please visit podcastawards.com daily between November 1st and November 15th and cast your vote for Priority One Podcast in this year's ninth annual Podcast Awards. Remember, we are going for Best Gaming Podcast and Best Produced. So vote in those two categories for us. And remember to look for our friends under Best Entertainment Podcast Mission Logs. 
Also, don't forget to support a friend of Priority One Podcast. Check out Splatter Studios' Trek-inspired canvas art by visiting their eBay store. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. Special thanks to Kate Bankson of Cryptic Studios for taking us inside the development of the latest featured episode, Sphere of Influence. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com, including our new audio engineer, Skiffy, and editor-in-chief, Kate. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Blackstar Radio, and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community, and our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This is good radio. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me start that over. Between November 1st... Silence. Silence. Infidel! I kill you! How you can get... How you can get your hands. You better get... You better get them on your hands. If you want me to do it that way, I will. (laughs) Get on down to PriorOnPodcast.com for information how to get your hands on these one-of-a-kind pieces of track art. They call me Crazy Bob because I'm crazy. I'm giving them away. I got the craziest deal on this side of crazy town. (laughs) I've been outside, uh, you know, around the neighborhood in, in, you know, Kansas, so I was, you know, saying howdy to the neighbors. Dangle, dangle, candy man, put it in the back, Dangle, candy man, take a foot, bug him higher, get on me on down there, down there, cooking fish all down on the cushion. Giddy, 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 giddy. New toys. James is happy. But I have taken advantage of the double XP event. Have you guys? I dated a girl with double XP once. That too will be cut from this week's episode. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Blooper. Check that one off.